This morning, we're going to just dive into a message simply entitled Fundamentals. And so today, as we celebrate our Family Fun Day, we're going to talk about the fundamentals of our faith and really kind of clarify the significance of why that really even matters. I mean, as a Christian, as a believer in Jesus Christ, how important is it for you to understand the fundamentals of our faith and what it really means to follow Jesus? I want to give you a definition. Webster defines fundamentals this way. He says, fundamentals are the forming of a necessary base or core of central importance. It is the essential nature of something or the critical point about an issue. And I want you to hear me today. I, I, want, I believe with all my heart that one of the most necessary essentials in the world today is that the church would be rooted and grounded in the fundamentals of our faith. I think the key to us seeing God do what God wants to do in the local church is that we would understand the fundamentals of our faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, it, it's really significant. I want you to think about this. It's not enough for us as Christians to know what we believe. We actually need to know why we believe what we believe based on the Word of God. Years ago, I was 19 years old. God was dealing with me about the call to preach, and I was kind of in that tension point where I was really seeking the Lord. And I met a young man. His name was Patrick. He was a couple years older than me. He was in his early 20s. I was working at Walmart Distribution Center in Coleman, and I just went from a second shift job to a first shift job, and he was my trainer. And when I met Patrick, he had just accepted his call to preach. He was on fire for the Lord. He was excited about Jesus. And we immediately kind of became fast friends, and we connected together. And one of the things that Patrick did in my life that changed my life was simply this. We were talking, and he would just begin to ask me questions. He'd say, well, Keith, what do you believe about this? And I'd tell him what I believed. And he'd say, well, what do you believe about that? And I'd tell him what I believed. And then he would ask me this profound question. He would say, well, where is that in the Bible? This is what you say about you believe about this, and this is what you say you believe about this. But where exactly is that in the Bible? And the truth is, I was raised in a Christian home. I went to church almost every Sunday of my life, and I knew all the stories. I had heard all the sermons. I had sung all the songs, and I knew what I believed because of the culture I had grown up in, but I didn't know why I believed what I believed based on the Word of God. And then he made this statement, I'll never forget it because it changed my life. He said, don't you think if you're going to base your eternal security on something, you ought to at least know where it's at in the Bible. <laughs> if you're going to base your eternity on something, don't you think you at least ought to know where that belief system is rooted in according to the truth of God's Word. And so that began me on a journey of faith. And I really began to seek the Lord and said, God, I don't just want to know what I believe. I want to know why I believe. And I want to understand the fundamentals of our faith in Jesus Christ so that I can do the things that you've called me to do. Let me just encourage you today. I hope today this message for many of you is maybe just going to be a reminder of some of those fundamentals of the faith. For others of you, you may hear some things you've never even heard before. They're basic things, but maybe they're things you've never heard communicated clearly just from the Word of God. And I hope that today, I hope that today that we're going to be established in the fundamentals of the faith in a way that we've never been before. And I'm going to tell you why. Because God God is looking to you and to me to reach our world with the gospel. 
It matters. Let me tell you why it matters that you understand the fundamentals of the faith. It matters because God has placed the responsibility of sharing the gospel squarely on the shoulders of the local church, upon the shoulders of every born-again believer in Jesus Christ. God has entrusted me and you with the great commission of going into all the world and making disciples of all nations. And how many of you understand, as we just celebrated our growth track graduates, you can't disciple somebody until you've been discipled. You can't teach something that you don't know. And I believe one of the greatest stumbling blocks in our world today, one of the greatest hindrance keeping the local church from reaching more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ is that the average Christian really doesn't know why they believe what they believe. They know what they believe, and they can articulate it pretty good, but they don't know why they believe what they believe based on the word of of God. And when push comes to shove, the average Christian pulls back in the face of confrontation instead of stepping forward in the face of confrontation because we need to be equipped to not only defend the faith, but we need to be equipped to share our faith because there's a lost and dying world that's going to hell. And they need the church. Come on, somebody, to be the church. They need me and you to be who God has commissioned and called us to be. So look with me in 2 Timothy chapter 4 because I want to answer that question. What are the fundamentals of the faith and why does it even matter? 2 Timothy chapter 4, 1 through 4, the apostle Paul says this to Timothy. He says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his Kingdom. Let me just stop right there and say, why does it matter that we understand the fundamentals of the faith? It matters because one day everyone will stand before God and give an account for their life. One day we're all going to be judged by a living God. He will judge the living and the dead. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, every person that has ever been born will one day stand before Almighty God and give an account for their lives. And it is essential, it is necessary that we understand the fundamentals of our faith so that we can share that faith with a world that will one day stand before God. Every atheist that doesn't believe in God will one day stand before God. Every agnostic that doesn't know if there is a God will one day stand before God. Every person that just denies religion or Christianity or anything that looks like church will one day stand before God and give an account for their life. Why does it matter that we understand the fundamentals of the faith? Because there's a world that will one day stand before him and we too will give an account on how we lived our lives. Look at the next verse. He says, therefore, preach the word. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and, long suffering and teaching. Look at verse 3. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Let me just tell you something. That time has come. <laughs> The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. Look at verse 4. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Why does it matter that we understand the fundamentals of the faith? It matters because the Apostle Paul said one day there's coming a time when people will turn their ears away from the truth and they will begin to turn and believe in fables. They will, according, he says, to their own desires, reject truth and embrace fables. Let me just tell you, we live in a world right now that is so deceived 
that people don't know if they're a boy or a girl anymore. The level of deception in our culture today is that we are so deceived as a culture that we have the ideology that we can allow a five-year-old little boy or little girl who doesn't know the ABCs, who doesn't know their multiplication table, who's not old enough to vote, but somehow they have enough reasoning and intelligence about them to identify as a boy or a girl or anything else that they might want to identify with. The absurdity in that realization boggles my mind. The fact that we're even talking about is a boy a boy and is a girl a girl and can somebody identify with a cat if they want to. It is absurd, but the reality is that is the conversations we're having in our world today. That are the head, That is the headlines that's running across our news feeds today. The realization that homosexuality and sexual immorality and perversion and corruption and distortion and, and deception has run rampant in our world. Why? Because people have turned their ears away from the truth and have embraced fables. And it is essential that the church understand the fundamentals of our faith, not just so we can stand and live before the Lord, but so we can reach a world that is so deceived, so we can not only defend our faith, but again, share our faith in an intelligent way that allows people under the anointing of the Holy Spirit to come out of darkness and step into the light of Jesus Christ. And find freedom and healing because Jesus wants to set us free. Amen? So today I want to share with us five fundamentals of the faith. The truth is there are more than five and I just kind of dialed down on five. I believe these five fundamentals of the faith really kind of lay the foundation stone for what we believe as followers of Jesus Christ and I believe you're going to probably affirm and confirm these in your life today. But let's look at the first one today. We believe in salvation and justification by faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. It is not our works but our faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ that saves us. We believe in salvation and justification. Salvation is to be saved. The word salvation in the Greek is an awesome word. It kind of includes almost everything you can imagine. It means to be saved, to be delivered, to be healed, to be redeemed, to be restored, to be made whole. I mean, God just kind of took this one word and packaged it with a, 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 the gospel in a nutshell that God says, I want to bring salvation, holy, wholeness, healing, deliverance, and eternal life to everyone who would believe in my son, Jesus Christ. And the word justification, just as if if I had never sinned to be made right with God to be brought from brought from a sinful condition into a right standing position with God so that we have free and full access to the Father all of those things salvation and justification is available according to Scripture by faith alone in Jesus alone Jesus said John 14 6 I am the way I am the truth I am the life and no man can come to the Father except through me. All roads don't lead to heaven. One road leads to heaven. His name is Jesus. 
And it's faith alone in Christ alone that gives us access to the Father. And we're about to read out of Romans chapter 3. Paul goes, does an amazing discourse on this concept of faith alone in Christ alone. But I want to just say this to you today. When you think about the gospel, the word gospel means good news. And when I think about the gospel and I think about that salvation and justification is by faith alone in Jesus alone. I believe that's the greatest news of all the good news that Jesus gives us. I believe that's some great good news. Can I get an amen? And what's great about the good news is simply this. If we're saved by faith alone in Christ alone, then guess what? No one is too good not to need salvation, and no one is too bad that they can't obtain salvation. <laughs> you're not so righteous that you don't need the blood of Jesus applied to your life, and you're not so wicked that the blood of Jesus can't cleanse you from all the sins of your past and usher you into the very presence of a holy God. That's some good news. Some good news, it's not by works, but by faith in Jesus Christ alone. Listen to what the Apostle Paul in Romans 3 says. He says, For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. For the law simply shows us how sinful we are. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with Him without keeping the requirements of the law, as He promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. And we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone is sin, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sin. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. And people are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. And this sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead, including them in what would be done in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. For he himself is fair and just, and he declares sin to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Somebody all say, praise the Lord. He declares sinners, that's me and you guys, who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We've now come out of a place of being a sinner to being a saint, from being condemned to being redeemed because of our faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. And that's good news. Verse 27 says, can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No. Because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law, it is based on faith. So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9, the Apostle Paul again says, God saved you by His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this, it is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so none of us can boast about it. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone. That's good news, guys. Because we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And let's just be honest, since you got saved, you still sin and come short of the glory of God. We all miss it. Hopefully not intentionally, hopefully, hopefully not purposely, hopefully we're not willfully running around missing the mark. But the realization is that our salvation and our justification is not based on the works of the law. It is based on righteousness that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. And when he was on the cross and he said, it is finished. He said everything that needed to be done for every human being that would believe in him, they could be saved. They could be redeemed. They could be justified. And we could be made right with God because of who he is. No one's too good that they don't need salvation. No one's too bad that they can't be saved. For God so loved the world. Amen. 
that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish. I pray we never get tired of that message, guys. I pray we never get tired of the good news of the gospel. I pray we never get tired of the fact that we are saved by faith and faith alone in Jesus and Jesus alone. And if I'm trusting in my works to get me to heaven, I'm going to come short of the glory of God. And I feel like my and if I feel like my mistakes have disqualified me, your mistakes, your sin is not greater than his blood and his sacrifice. And there's life for whosoever will, right? Whosoever would believe in him. Look at that second point. We believe in the final authority of the Word of God, God's Word, the Bible, is inspired by God and is a standard by which all creation will be judged. We believe in the final authority of the Word of God. God's Word, the Bible, is inspired by the Holy Spirit. The B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. Amen. I will stand alone on the Word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. We believe in the final authority of the Word of God. God's Word is true. God's word is the standard by which everything that we say and do should, will be measured and judged. And the ideologies and the philosophies of man never trump the authority and the power of God. Listen to what the Bible says. There's so many great scriptures about the scripture, but listen to what the scripture says here in Isaiah 40 verse 8. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. 2 Timothy chapter 3, listen to what it says. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong, teaches us to do what is right. And God uses it to prepare and equip his people for every good work. Right? God's word is inspired. It's breathed by the Holy Spirit. The scripture says, holy men of God wrote as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And this book has stood the test of time. People a whole lot smarter than me have tried to dis prove this book and over and over and over and over again they have come up short why because heaven and earth will pass away but God's word will stand forever and one of the fundamentals of our faith is we believe in the authority of the word of God which means God's word trumps everything and let me tell you something this is the greatest marriage book ever written because when Kelly and I disagree all we got to do is ask one question what does the Bible say and all of a sudden, we have a solution. We have a remedy. We have a resolution for the problems and difficulties that are in our life. Financially, what does the Bible say? Relationally, what does the Bible say? Spiritually, what does the Bible say? On my job, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say about the conduct of my life? What does the Bible say about the attitude of my heart? What does the Bible say about the integrity of my life? What does the Bible say? And all of a sudden, when I go to the scriptures and I begin to rightly divide the word of truth, all of a sudden I find God's word, which is God's will for my life and your life. And this is the final authority that trumps everything. And you can look at our nation today and you can tell the further and further we get from this, the more and more confusion and chaos fills and infiltrates our world. Our world is a mess not because God's not good, but because man has abandoned the word and the truth of God. And the further we move away from the truth of Scripture, the more we, in, we, the more we are ensnared by the things of this world that keep us from living the life and knowing the pleasure that God brings as we obey Him. Can I get an amen from somebody this morning? Look at that next point. We believe not only in the final authority of the Bible, but we believe in the indwelling and empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. 
We are sealed and filled with the Holy Spirit, who is the third person of the Trinity, right? We believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God is one, but he reveals himself in three ways. From Genesis to Revelations, God reveals himself as a Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe that the presence and power of the Holy Spirit did not pass away with the apostles. We believe that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us today, and we can do what Jesus did. Come on, somebody. We believe that. We believe that fundamentally, one of the fundamental beliefs of our faith is that the same Spirit that raised Jesus lives in us and that we can do what he did. And even greater works can we do, he said, because I ascend to the Father and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and the Spirit is going to empower you and the Spirit is going to enable you and the Spirit is going to equip you to do the things that I did and live the life that I live. Christianity is not an intellectual arena. It is a supernatural realm. See, many people struggle in their Christianity because they try to live out of an intellectual arena. And they process all these things, and it has to come intellectually. I want you to understand, your mind will always short-circuit you and bring you below the standard that God intended for your life. It's only when we embrace the indwelling, empowering presence of the Holy Spirit that we begin to operate in a supernatural realm, not just an intellectual realm, where we can see God do what only God can do. 24 years Liberty Church has existed, and 24 years later, we are here today not because of the intelligent plans of man, but by the supernatural power of a holy God who has moved and worked and showed up and showed out in ways that nobody can take credit for. Only God can get the glory. And if you look at your Christian life, you understand that your life has been marked by the supernatural. It's not the intellectual discoveries, it's the supernatural encounters that have marked your life for the glory of God. Because we believe in the indwelling and empowering presence. The Holy Spirit empowers us to be a witness for Jesus Christ, doing what he did and living like he lived. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 says, For all of, all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes, and through Christ our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. And it is God who enables us along with you to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us and he has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything he has promised us. God has sealed us with the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, identifying us and commissioning us as his children. You've heard me say it many times. If you don't know if you're born again, then you're probably not. Because salvation, again, is not an intellectual decision. Salvation is a spiritual decision that transforms your heart by the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. When you get born again, God puts His Spirit on the inside of you. And you guys have heard me say this many times. One of the best examples I've ever thought of is if there's a mouse in your house, you know it. That little bitty mouse will leave evidence of his existence. And all of a sudden, one day the wife will say, Honey, I think there's a mouse in the house. And that little mouse in your big old house proves its existence because it leaves the fruit of its life. Now, how in the world can a mouse in your house prove its existence when the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and you can't tell me he's there? 
If you know there's a mouse in the house and you got to know there's a spirit of God living on the inside of you. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was dead, but now I am alive and I'm not who I used to be. Come on, somebody. Because the Spirit of God lives on the inside of me. And if you've never experienced that, today is your day. Come on, somebody. You can get born again today. You can move out of a religious mindset into a supernatural life where the Spirit of God lives in you. And you can know that you know that you know that you are born again. And that one day I'm going to go to heaven. Come on, somebody. Acts chapter 1 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Acts chapter 2 says that on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And that day on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 souls were saved. The New Testament church was birthed into existence, and God added to the church daily those who were being saved because the indwelling empowering presence of the Holy Spirit enables us to be a witness for Jesus Christ to boldly decree and declare that the, the disciples went from cowards hiding behind locked doors to courageous warriors who boldly spoke the name of Jesus because one thing happened Jesus sent the Holy Spirit who not only sealed them but filled them with power so they could do what God had called them. They could witness. Think about what a witness does. A witness takes the stand in a court. And a witness just testifies to what God has done. You are called to testify. You're called to tell the world what Jesus Christ has done in you and for you. Let me, let me tell you how simple ministry is. We complicate. Let me give you the simplicity of ministry. Ministry is simply giving what God's given to you. If he saved you, then you got salvation to share. If he's healed you, then you've got healing to share. If he's delivered you, then you've got deliverance to share. If he set you free, then you've got freedom to share. If he's restored your marriage, then you got restoration to share. Ministry is simply giving to others what God freely gave to you. You don't need a title and you don't need the pastors of the church to lay hands on you to do that. You have already been identified and commissioned by God to be a witness for Jesus Christ on your job, in your family, and in the world. We are called to be as witnesses, and the Holy Spirit empowers us to do that. Look at that next point. This may be a phrase some of you have never heard. We believe in the priesthood of all believers. The priesthood of all believers. What does that mean? It means there are no second-class citizens in the kingdom of God. We are all equal, even though we're not the same. Every believer has full and complete access to the Father, and each person is complete in Christ with unique gifts and callings. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, There is only one God and one mediator between God and man, and that is the man, Jesus Christ. Hebrews 4 says this, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. The high priest, this high priest of ours, understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. Verse 16, So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and find grace to help us when we need it most. 1 Peter 2, 9 is not on the screen. You can write it down. It says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. 
of special people that you may proclaim the praises of God who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So we believe, let's look at that point again, in the priesthood of all believers. The priesthood of all believers. What does that mean? There are no second class citizens. You don't need a priest or a preacher to get you to God. Come on, somebody. Jesus is the one mediator between God and man. And even though we need each other and God has joined us together and we have different gifts and callings that are unique and necessary for the body of Christ to be what we've been called to be, we are actually complete in Christ. And the priesthood of all believers means that we can go to the Father, each and every one of us. I don't have closer access to God than you do because I'm the pastor of the church. We all have equal access to the Father because of what Jesus has done. There's one high priest. And his name is Jesus. And now we are a chosen generation. Now you are a royal priesthood who could enter into the very presence of God. In the book of Revelations, listen to what Revelations 5 says. It says, and they sang a new song with these words. You are worthy to take the scroll, break its seals, and open it. They're talking about Jesus. For you were slaughtered and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and every language and every people and every nation. Look at verse 10. And you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God. And they will reign on the earth. We are a kingdom of priests. And we are the priesthood of all believers, which means you have access to the Father. And everything that God has made available, He has made available to you. And you are able to go to the Father without a man without a preacher, without a priest, directly to God because of the high priest, Jesus Christ. No second-class citizens. We're all in this together. Can I get an amen from somebody? Years ago, I heard the story of a lady. She was an older lady in a local church, and, and she had gotten sick, and, and she was needing prayer. And she, she knew in the Scripture, the Bible says, for you to call for the elders of the church, for them to anoint you with oil, and the prayer of faith would save the sick, and the Lord would raise them up. She said she had called the church office, and nobody had gotten back with her, so she just decided, I'm going to anoint myself. <laughs> and she said, and the Lord healed her. You know why? <laughs> because we all have equal access to the Father. That doesn't take away from the role of pastors and leaders and elders. It doesn't take away from the authority that God has set in place. But it recognizes there are no second-class citizens. We all have access to the Father. Look at Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2 says, He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from Him. And He brought peace to the Jews who were near Him. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. All of us can come to the Father through the Holy Spirit, because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Amen. We are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. And God doesn't have favorites. We're all favorites to Him. Can I get an amen from somebody this morning? Look at that last point. We believe in the unity of the saints. What does that mean? It means we are the body of Christ. We are a spiritual family joined together for the glory of God. And the church exists to win souls, make disciples, and destroy the works of the devil. We believe in the unity of the saints. We are the body of Christ. We are a spiritual family, right? We've been joined together for the glory of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says this, All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you are a part of it. 
We are all Christ's body, and we are all a part of this amazing spiritual family. And what I love about the local church, what I love about what happened yesterday, seven local churches came together and distributed 60,000 pounds of food in our community yesterday. You know why? Because there's not one church, there's a big church. Come on, somebody. We are a small part of a big piece that God is working in the earth. And Liberty Church matters, and so does every other church that holds fast to the fundamentals of the faith. We are the body of Christ, and we are not competing against other churches. We are complementing other churches because we all have different personalities, but we got the same DNA. We're all connected to Daddy God. Come on, somebody. And through Jesus Christ, the authority of the Word of God, the indwelling, empowering presence of the Holy Spirit, and the priesthood of all believers, we have unity in the faith that the churches can work together and we can see our world come to Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you right now, we need a united front when it comes to Christianity. We need churches to stand fast and stand true on the authority of the Word, salvation through Jesus alone, and the truths of Scripture that we've talked about today. I want to give you a couple more scriptures. I want you to look in Ephesians 2. I want you to hear this today. He says, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are all citizens along with God's holy people. You are members of God's family. I want you to look around this morning. I want you to look around. Go ahead and bend your neck. Look around. Look in front of you. Look beside you. Go ahead and stretch really hard. Look behind you. Hey, we're all family. We got different gifts, different talents, different abilities. We're all different pieces of this amazing thing called the family of God. And we need each other. And not only do we need each other, I want you to hear me today, the world needs us. The world needs the church to be the church. Right, and we exist to win souls, make disciples, destroy the works of the devil. We say that all the time at Liberty. Pastor Keith, why do we say that? Well, let me just show you from the Bible, Luke 19, 10. For the Son of Man, speaking of Jesus, has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Matthew 28, 19, Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, it says, For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Man, we exist to win souls, make disciples, and destroy the works of the devil. And we need each other, and the world needs us. The world needs us. And this morning, as I was in prayer, the Lord spoke this to me. He said, Keith, he said, do you realize if what I've done in you, I want you all to hear this. He said, you realize if what I've done in you stops with you, then you've dishonored me. Y'all thought y'all had a good quiet time this morning. That's what I got. If what I've done in you stops with you, then you've dishonored me. Why? Because what God has done in you is intended to flow through you to help a broken, hurting world experience Jesus. What God has done in you is intended to flow through you to help a broken, hurting world experience Jesus Christ and I want to just challenge us this morning I want us just to bow our heads our kids are coming in we got something special at the end of the service today but I want you just to bow your heads with me this morning
I want to ask you a question. Have you become the end point in your Christian life? Has what God done in you stopped with you? Has He saved you? Has He healed you? Has He delivered you? Has He redeemed you? Has He rescued you? Has He showed Himself strong in your life? If all those things that He's done in you has stopped with you, then you're missing the mark of Christianity. Because what God put in you, He intends to flow through you so that you can be a vessel, a vehicle, a conduit through which life, healing, and salvation goes to a world that desperately needs the church just to be the church. You don't have to be anything but you. That's so awesome. I love that. You don't have to be anything but you, but be the you God created you to be. And what God has done in you, let flow through you so that the world can know Him. And if you've never, if you've never experienced that saving grace of God, and you've never experienced what it means to really be born again, and you're sitting here this morning, you're thinking, Patrick, Heath, I don't, I don't really know if I have anything to give the world because I don't know what I've really received. I'm, I'm not even sure that I've ever really been born again. I, I intellectually acknowledge God, but I'm not sure supernaturally, spiritually, I've ever been saved. And today is my day. I, I want to be born again. Whether you're in this room, whether you're watching online, if you've never truly been born again and you don't know that you know that today is, that, that, that you're saved, then today is your day of salvation. And if that's you this morning, you say, Pastor Keith, today I want to know. I want to mark October the 30th, 2022 is my day of salvation. I want to be born again today. If that's you, I want you just to raise your hand all across this building. Just slip your hand up. Today, I want to be born again. Today, I want to know. I don't need intellectual understanding. I don't need religious ritual. I want to have a relationship with God. I want Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. If that's you, raise your hand. If you're watching online, just hit that hand emoji. Type in that chat box. I'm raising my hand today. Because today, Jesus wants to save you. Today, Jesus wants to deliver you. Today, Jesus wants to be the Lord of your life. Faith alone in Jesus alone. That's the only way. And if you've never done that, today's your day. We're about to pray together. Before we pray this salvation prayer, I want to challenge every person in this room that didn't raise their hand. And I want to ask you today, are you being a conduit for what God's done in you? Is there any area in your life where you've kind of just become reserved and you've really stopped sharing instead of giving what God's given you? I want to encourage you today, don't hold back. Don't, don't be an end point when God intended you to be a vessel through which His life flowed to other people. Don't, don't let it stop with you. So I want to challenge you as a believer this morning to make a commitment to the Lord today that says, God, I'm going to give you all I got. And I'm going to take everything that you've given to me and I'm just going to freely give it to others. And I'm going to refuse to be the end point. I want to be the vessel through which your life flows. So I encourage you right now as believers in this room, make that decision this morning. Make that decision to let your life and your light shine so that others can see and know Jesus. Now for those of you that raised your hand, I'm going to ask everybody in the room here today to pray this prayer with me. This is for you online and everybody here today. If you want to be born again, let's pray this prayer together. Everybody out loud with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I confess that I've sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. I want to be born again. And I give my life to Jesus. And I receive your life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. Amen. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, welcome to the family, and uh, we're so honored to have you here today. Well, this morning, as we get ready to close, we got something special planned, and I'm going to ask my beautiful wife, Kelly, if she would to come join me. Uh, Howard, you and Cindy, if y'all will go ahead and make your way up here right now. And uh, we've got our kids joining us today. Look at these awesome kids over here. Let's give our kids a great big round of applause. They're coming right there. Well, you guys may or may not know Miss Cindy, but Miss Cindy, for the last seven years, has been our children's ministry director. She has led our children and our children's ministry in an amazing way. I was thinking about it this week, Cindy. You know, we will never really know till we get to heaven the impact that your life has made. But when I look over here at all these little kids, and I know you don't want to cry. <laughs> I just know without a shadow of a doubt in my heart that generations have been changed. You've literally shifted the trajectory of so many generations because of your investment over the last seven years. Your love, your commitment, your dedication is amazing. And the fact that you've poured your heart out through very difficult times over and over again to see these kids experience Jesus, have a safe place to learn and grow, it's amazing. And I know that today, heaven is applauding, and earth is too. So let's give her a great big round of applause this morning. We've got a small gift for you. And Miss Cindy loves public speaking, but we put a microphone in her hand this morning. So we got to give her a chance to talk so you can share, Miss Cindy. I think maybe it's on this thing. There you go. It's a very bittersweet moment. Uh, I just want to say thank you so much for allowing me the privilege to serve and work with your kids and to love on them. And I know they are going to do great even without me back there. <laughs> but I just want to say thank you again. I love each and every one of y'all. And I look forward to sitting out in those seats with you. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Amen. Come on, give her one more round of applause. Amen. Amen. We're excited to have Stephen and Susie Amundsen. They're going to be leading the charge in our children's ministry, and we're excited to have them on the team. But here come our kids with some special cards for Miss Cindy. And I don't know if you've ever worked in children's ministry, but I believe children's ministry is the gold mine of every local church. And this is the place where God begins to forge and establish in the hearts and lives of children what will ultimately be manifested in their lives as adults. And you may not know this statistic. I believe it is about 86% of people that come to Christ are younger than 14 years old when they make that decision. 
So that means the greatest harvest field that we have is the hearts of our children. And the commitment that Miss Cindy and this entire team, and let's not forget her awesome husband Howard over here, who has supported her and loved her and been an amazing part of what God has done. But this team has been amazing. And so I want you to stand to your feet one more time. Let's give her a great round of applause. Let her know how much we love her and we appreciate her today. Amen. We love you guys so much. All right, we're going to let them take their seats real quick, and we're going to get ready. Nick is bringing me something special. Gotcha. Very good. Preacher was early today. Look at that. Come on, son. Amen. All right, well, we're going to get ready to pray. Uh, we got just a few more minutes. The food will be ready at 11 o'clock. They were not expecting me to be on time. Come on, somebody. So that's a miracle that never happens. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to get ready to bless the food. Let me give you instructions. Uh, is it raining? Do we know? It is a little rain. So as long as it's raining, there'll be no hayride or outside activities so we can eat, fellowship, have fun. If the rain were to stop, we may break out a hayride and we may roast some marshmallows and make some Guatemalan s'mores. If not, we'll just enjoy each other. Is that okay with everybody? So we've got hot wings and barbecue and hot dogs that has been freshly prepared along with some amazing side items from everybody that's here. And again, if you weren't prepared to stay, we got plenty of food. We want you to stay and be with us. But this is what we're going to ask you to do. They're going to be serving the meat, uh, but we're going to ask you to serve yourself on all the side items. We are going to ask you to serve yourself a single portion the first time you go through so that everybody does have an opportunity to eat and then we can come back through and get seconds. How many know seconds are always good? Come on, somebody. So we're going to have a lot of fun there. But we're going to have a great time, food and fellowship. So uh, let me just do this. Let's just pray a prayer blessing over our food today. And uh, we're going to let you just hang out, fellowship for a few minutes. And in just about five minutes, the food will be ready to serve, okay? So Lord, we love you today. We thank you so much for everything we've celebrated today. Father, we thank you for adults that are growing in the knowledge of God. We thank you for children that are becoming more and more who you've called them to be in Jesus. We thank you for amazing leaders, Father, that have served and continue to serve to bring the light of Christ to every generation. And Father, I thank you for the fundamentals of the faith that equip us and empower us, Lord, just to be vessels through which your love and your light can flow into a world that desperately needs to know you. Father, I pray your blessing over our food today. Lord, we thank you for our food ministry teams that have worked so hard to prepare. And we thank you for every person that has contributed to making this Family Fun Day possible. Lord, may it be filled with joy and laughter as the family. Lord, I thank you for this family reunion today. Lord, let us make new friends and new connections and meet new people. And Lord, let us build bridges today that will bring life to our world. So we bless it all, and we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to give you one final announcement. Out in the foyer, there are some Alabama and Auburn backdrops out there that you can get your picture made in front of. If you will, if you get a picture today, hashtag it, Life at Liberty. Is that correct? And there's also a little picture window board. I don't know what you call it, but you hold it up and you get your picture made in it. It's out there too. So you get lots of pictures, have lots of fun. And again, about 12, 11 o'clock on the dot, that clock is fast. Uh, we'll be ready to eat. And so you'll see the line start to form. God bless you. Come pick your kids up right over here. Thank you so much. We love you guys. Have a great day.